Jason Garden, uh, longtime listener, first time participant. Um, I, uh, my pronouns are he or they, either one's fine for me. Um, and yeah, I've been doing this dipshit music stuff for 15 years, the last fuck, uh, seven of it getting paid, like only getting paid to do that. So um, yeah, got, got a lot of worse stories. As ha it turns out. Happy to have you here as uh, as the third co-host that we mentioned multiple times in the last yeah, episode. Yeah, I, I like the I like the titillating um, <laughs> references. It builds, to it builds tension. It yeah, builds totally. Tension. Uh, I'm Pablo, also known as Beaner, um, running the La Mission um, podcast uh, umbrella. Uh, I accept any pronouns, um, although I do have silly pronouns that I have decided for myself, but uh, she, he, or they are okay. He, he, her, him, or them are also okay. I accept them all. Uh, I also have been doing music for um, almost 20 years, most of that time professionally. Well, probably longer than that, actually. I just the last 20 years were semi-professionally and I no longer do it professionally as of the beginning of 2021. I'm a quitter. Uh, I, I don't know if anybody does right the second. I mean, sure. there are some people that do that are Yeah, yeah, that's a good point. Responsible. Excellent point. Yeah, and my name is Andrew, also known as Jason Loveland. Uh, I am an independent musician. I've been kind of in the underground toiling away for the last 20 years. Uh, not making much money off the music, uh, but somehow still doing it. And uh, my name of the game, are, baby. Yeah, just fucking, you know, fucking loving the game. And uh, yeah, my pronouns are he, him, they, them. I've been kind of vibing on they, them recently. I like the ambiguity. Um, but yeah, I'm he, him, they, them. That's me. I feel like I'm going to be the, uh, the like, the only freshly crotchety new school vibe of this. <laughs> oh, I'm know? excited for that. I'm excited. Like, like you guys are going to be talking about all the raves you went to, and I'm going to be like, I was uh, trying to spend all night in Walmart with my 16-year-old <laughs> friends in Hutchinson, Kansas. Nothing that happened. Didn't successfully get it done ever. They, they caught on pretty quick. <laughs> I, I, I have some stories about uh, going to all night Walmarts uh, on tour with punk bands as well. Uh, Tennessee, I think, was the one where um, my friend, uh, who I've recently reconnected with on Instagram, uh, stole a bunch of spray paint. And we uh, basically spent um, a summer evening during summer thunderstorms running around spray painting garden sheds and um, naked uh, diving into rain puddles, uh, getting uh, gra gravel, gravel. Uh, Why, what were you spray painting on these sheds? I don't remember. <laughs> Probably, um, you know, stupid anarchist slogans and like uh, hmm. punk, his, his punk band name, maybe. I think that was also during the time that I still did graffiti in a crew with like my brother and my friend Evan. So maybe I also did cool graffiti stuff what was your tag what was your tag pablo 
I'm not gonna tell you, man. I, oh. they, the cops might get me. The cops oh, might get me. I know it. No, no, okay, no. Is that against the code? No, uh, it was eons, E-O-N-S. Hmm. Uh, although I did, before that I used to do characters for many years that were just uh, a bored kid. Uh, uh, that was kind of like a semi-stick drug. Mm. Yeah, well, I uh, overthink everything. Always uh, been ahead of the curve. Hey, we didn't even mention uh, what we're doing here. This is a podcast called Yesterday's Drink Tickets. Yesterday's Drink Tickets. We could do the intro and then I could just switch it. Oh, oh yeah, well, for sure. said this is a podcast called yesterday's drink tickets this is our second episode uh we're all here now and uh let's start with some news Keep us abreast. All right. Uh, here, I've got a couple different news items. Okay. First of all, Stonehenge. Years of archaeological research now suggest that Neolithic Britons lugged massive elements of the iconic monument from far-flung reaches of the island. So Stonehenge, which is the long-used rave free party location, having been like a location for Spiral Tribe, yearly May Day parties. Didn't like rock, people rock. like constantly get arrested for like trying to throw raves there uh, and it's eventually, like a World Heritage site? That was only after uh, they made it illegal for the public to do events there. Because for a very long time, it was actually not only legal, but almost sort of encouraged. They did hmm. official rock and rave against racism events there. One of them was put on by Crass. The KLF did an event there. I did um, know about the KLF one. That was yeah. Uh, they, I think they did a really small event there, though. Um, not small, like, like a, the tiny Stonehenge and Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Probably. Um, so theirs was even smaller. Yeah, it was. Uh, it was actually toothpicks painted gray. Um, nice. But Jesus. yeah, it's long and still the hangout of modern day Druids. It's theorized to be, you know, Britain tribal pagan party and or ritual site. Um, <clears throat> and what the article I read talks about it is that it seems like the uh, tribal Britons um, actually brought some of these massive multi-ton rocks from other places, including Wales. Uh, to quote yeah. it, uh, now a new study published in the journal Antiquity offers another plot twist in the saga of Stonehenge. The World Heritage Site may not be an original creation. A team of researchers has found a possible precursor to Stonehenge in the remains of an even older monument in Wales. The megalithic circle at the Welsh site of Muan Muan, yeah, you know, uh, multiple consonants, Welsh. has comparable yeah. dimensions to Stonehenge, is similarly aligned with the sun, and appears to feature some of these same building materials. But unlike Stonehenge, it has few surviving stones. The research team speculates that the builders of this thing dismantled it 5,000 years ago and hauled some of the three-ton blue stones 175 miles each east to the Salisbury Plain. 
an extremely arduous and on a practical le level unnecessary endeavor. Back so up, why do back it? Back up party space, you know? It's a party space. It's like anybody who's lugged a base bin up some stairs knows what the fuck Send a carrier pigeon to the info line. Well, obviously, I think the whole thing was that they needed to decorate their rave right. The vibe yeah. is super important. So they're like, oh my God, what's missing here? Oh, the three-ton bluestones. It was like... um the the music video for November Rain would move <laughs> that church uh out to like the the middle of the, the desert was yeah. yeah 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 that's two, two by four by two by four yeah what uh I mean I don't know if it was quite as epic as the, I'm sure it was, November Rain it was video. the case yeah I mean I'm sure it was like the case where like they identified some vibe or property of these stones that they just liked and well, they were just like we need that in the club. They had they had the uh, they had the stones already painted uh, in uh, neon glow in the dark um, like mushroom designs, and they didn't totally. they didn't have enough paint to do new ones. So they were like, "All right, I guess we got to take the uh, the three ton bluestone mushrooms all the way over." I mean, it's only 175 that's miles. Where, that's like, that's how big the pills were back then. Right, that too. <laughs> yo, yeah, you got yo, the three-time mushrooms, yo. The blue mushrooms, woo. Ooh, blue stone mushrooms, man. Those things are those things are really strong. Only start with a half or even yeah, a quarter. You know, uh, this is this is maybe kind of an ignorant question, but uh, I'll ask you guys. That's kind. Um, do do you uh, like? Does Cubensis or any psilocybe species, is it native to uh, Britain? There's psilocybe yes. species native to pretty much everywhere. In the uh, that's, what I figured, that's what I figured. I'm just making sure. Okay. How do you, my roommate, who, um, who, you know, is Scottish as hell, um, in college, uh, there was like a couple weeks a year where it was like, you went out into the woods and you got your like magic mushrooms, whatever like the long skinny ones are. I, yeah. I don't really. Those are psilocybes. Yeah, and it was not hard, you know. <laughs> like, yeah, and I mean, famously, fly agaric were used by the you know the Saxons and and several other uh, Britain tribe you know tribes from from the island uh, in battle much uh much as in battle like they they literally yeah. just get oh you get didn't you didn't out. know this yeah I didn't so know fl this. fly fly agaric uh isn't like a uh like fun tripping kind of um you know uh rainbows and like <clears throat> communing with the with nature kind of thing it's more like a everything is 20 feet tall and you want to kill it kind of uh, uh psychedelic vibe just like a psycho um, stimulant Sort of, yeah. I mean, they, they, there's there's different ways that people use them. So one of the ways was that they like uh, put it in um, naturally made pigments and then painted it on themselves and then absorbed it through their skin. Sometimes people ate them. You have to like dry it out very specifically uh, so that it doesn't poison you, but also so that um, enough of the psychoactive uh, stuff works. So uh, wait, the like. The gist was just to make you scared as fuck, such that killing seemed uh, not only reasonable but desirable. Or uh, well, I mean, actually, it was kind of more like uh, 
you were like the this crazy wide-eyed wild person and other tribes were really scared of <clears throat> fly Garrick using uh you know, warrior types, uh, because they, they were, were they were known known to be yeah, yeah. It's basically the PCP of the uh, the old Druid days. <laughs> Pagan CP. <laughs> yeah, it's like a parallel. Like, it's like the original blotter. Yeah, or like STP or some other like mm. you know uh, psychedelic that isn't isn't uh, isn't actually something that's generally enjoyable and people just take because it's illegal um <clears throat> i've got a i've got another uh little news thing um cool. which is less fun and more fuck these guys uh, um in at least three cases beverly hills cops do 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 uh, we should play the sound alike in there yeah let's, right let's here um Beverly Hills cops have started playing music seemingly to prevent themselves from being filled by activists, journalists, or citizen watchdogs. Um, so yeah, uh, the Beverly Hills cops. I read this cops, article and it's so fucked because the cops were like, they, they literally were like, yeah, we did that, but like, it's too much pressure for us yeah. to be filmed. They said that like, they literally the said that. they've like, done, it, done it too multiple times. You maybe think that like in your weird, like fucking pussy cop persecution mindset but like yeah. saying it out loud like talk about saying the quiet part loud i don't know what the law is in california but in some places it would be totally illegal for them to stop people from being able to um you know record them um, i had to guess california probably is a so this is a long used tactic from protesters anti-fascists and anarchists and stuff to keep from having footage of them either um broadcast or uploaded to the internet uh, because mm. uh, right-wing and neo-Nazi groups, especially like collaborators who masquerade as journalists like uh, Poo Poo Pool and the Gun Girl Liberty whatever who uh, shit herself um, and Andy, Wait. no, 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 no. Oh, you don't know about her? Some, the gun some girl. Gu I, well, I know uh, I like the big whatever. hair gun girl. Yeah, yeah well, she's got like, the curly long hair. Yeah, she, she, yeah. Uh, she shit she herself? herself while she was in college. Famously, she's famous in her <laughs> college. Group, All right. Shit herself. Google um, do your thing. Uh, anyway, uh, this was uh, something to stop person. people from being able to identify people as targets for harassment or physical violence. And the way I always heard it for the last, I don't know, five plus years was uh, you're supposed to play Disney songs out of your phone at uh, people yeah. who are. Uh, recording you specifically for Instagram and Facebook live feeds because they have um, a extremely, extremely zealous algorithm. Um, and I, I it, it was obvious that eventually, you know, shitty people would use this. But what I think is the funniest thing is um, what they were caught playing, which was uh, Sublime Santeria. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, I, I'll never ever not. So like, I, I think I might have told you guys this, this before, but so when I was, um, I don't know, ages like 10 to like 14, the only way that I was really able to get from Kansas to like Colorado to go skiing was to like stow away on like church trips like oh, other yeah. people's church, you know, oh, just yeah. like whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever I needed to pray to or however, like, 
but I'll figure it out. It's fine. It's like an eight, eight and a half hour drive from where I grew up to like the Boulder or wherever the fuck. And uh, about two hours into the, uh, the drive, I realized that I have forgot like once the kind of like, you know, when you're on a long road trip, there's like an hour or two of like fun, manic chit chat. And then that kind of dies down when you're like, oh, fuck, we still have six more hours of this. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and so like, I want to bust out my, my, like, uh, my disc man match. Um, and I realized that I forgot it. Um, I somehow remembered my headphones, but not my disc man. So the first time that we stopped it, it, it was probably like Hayes or like Garden City. I don't know, like not, or not Garden City. Uh, it doesn't matter. Uh, probably Dodge City, but we stopped and it was at a truck stop and I bought a, a, a tape player, like a Walkman, which even then was like, whoa, these exist. <laughs> um, what, what, what year was this? Oh, uh, let's see 80 or 98 probably oh wow yeah okay that is, yeah, that's uh, that is a little little late in the uh uh truck, truck truck stop truck stop right Walkman well game. i mean it was western kansas which truck stop like, cassettes yes i mean they still exist at truck stops but cassette players no right well see on that and so i i feel, i was feeling real lucky and um i went to go buy uh tape because I was like well I mean this isn't going to do me any good if there's no tape and it was like pretty urgent because the uh guy who was driving the van was and even as a 12 year old I was like I can't do this um was listening to Rush Limbaugh Limbaugh nonstop, oh, like a hundred percent of the time I wasn't even super political at 12 but I was just like this guy's voice is you know, is offensive. And so I got, I went and I searched through like, you know, they have like the sort of spinning things yeah. in truck shops that have yeah. like sunglasses. There was one of those tapes. Yeah. I looked through like every single one and it was all like country or like Skinner or, or whatever. Uh, the best of heart they usually have, which is a good one. Which I would have gotten, but they didn't because I am still here for the best of heart. Yeah. Yeah, uh, and they also usually have uh, Blue Oyster Cult's greatest hits too. Ah, uh, yeah, I got some BOC for sure. But anyway, the one thing that I that caught my eye was was Sublime, <laughs> and so I listened. I listened to that album truly nonstop for four days, uh, to the point where I will I I can't not hear that and be transported immediately back to this very specific moment. Like, I don't think I really, uh, I mean, I think I'd maybe like that album more than I would because of that. But oh, yeah, for even sure. then I wasn't even really like fully on board. I was like, yeah, this will work. And then it just got like burned into my fucking brain. So hearing that the cops are uh, using it to sort of subvert accountability when I was using it to subvert uh, right-wing brainwashing is, is a little bit of a mindfuck, you know? It's like, wow. how are you gonna do that to, to Brad and company? <laughs> that was his name, right? Yes, Brad, Brad Noel. Himself? Yeah. Brad Noel, that is correct. Uh, well, overdosed uh um 
It was oh, okay. not. It was not a suicide. I I knew somebody who claimed to be roommates with the person who sold him the heroin, since he did buy it and die of an overdose after playing a show at the Warfield in San Francisco. Wow. Um. Uh, when Forty Ounces to Freedom came out, or even before that, when they had already sent it to the uh, college radio stations, my friend's older brother. Um, I went to a arts high school and uh, my friend Jono's older brother <clears throat> who went by the name Mud and uh, wore a Misfits or Primus t-shirt every day of the entirety of high school. Um, he, uh, he worked while still in high school at uh, a college radio station on the peninsula and uh, got the single for Date Rape, which came, came out before 40 Ounces to Freedom in I think early 92 and um, played that tape incessantly. And um, I heard that song probably 3000 times before I even heard of the band. Uh, and so I knew that song like front to back as a freshman in high school. Um, and and when, when that album kind of started to get cool and then they blew up i was like this is the same band it doesn't even sound like the same band um, that, this is yesterday's drink tickets on the Mission podcast umbrella dude check out wine time with the wine swine natural or low intervention wine with no pretenses how about the International Scar News Podcast with Tarno and Turtle Bug. Or check out the new La Mission Radio Libertaire episode, which is all about people getting away with doing activist crimes. DIY of crime. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Now make food the show. Marketed to and who, who played it. I mean, um, Brad was shirtless for the entirety of their career, if I remember correctly. Um, right. And uh, and their whole vibe was like um, SoCal, Long Beach surfer dude who's like... Uh, something, um, something, something. You only get what you deserve. I mean, for me, something, I, something, I don't know. I don't LBC, right. like sublime, rage against the machine. Uh, I, I mean, Rage Against the Machine was so much more like smart and less problematic no, than no, Sublime. In my just in my mental construct, it, that's all in kind of like yeah, music yeah. You would, music you would hear at a cookout. Early, early Incubus. In my in in my mind, all of those bands are kind of the same as well. Like uh, yeah. I, I, I certainly did not see any of those bands as anything but major label jock jams uh but we were talking about this as you're in the bathroom that actually like the first album the one you know broy song date rape was about how bad date rape is it was an anti-date rape song and the other songs like were you all need super... a song for that <laughs> well i mean i probably in southern california the you audience, do the audience yeah, yeah. needs that song i i understand i just think it was funny um yeah, they covered Toots and the Maytals on that first record. I think they were trying to be a real uh, 
real uh, Ja Rastafari love. And they just, I mean, the, the shirtless board shorts, um, you know, uh, metal guitar, um, Longboard, uh, bleach tips thing. Like it just, it just makes it no matter what you do, you're, you're, you're brohim. There's a sort of like sociocultural dimension to it. It's like, would these bros really like a reggae vibe if they were listening to actual reggae? Does it have to come right. to this kind of, uh, I mean, they like you know, weed, whitewashed so. context. Considering, 50%. considering that like uh the great bob marley's greatest hits is probably like the number three most sold uh album to say, white uh, college like dudes James of all of time Bible. yeah totally <laughs> like i'm i believe actually that the, there is a um, sect of the rastafarians who go around to hotels and put a copy of that in the drawer next to the uh, next They're to like the evangelical rastafari yeah, basically. Uh, Where do I sign up? I don't yeah, even like weed, up. but th that up. sounds chill as fuck. It's like that's some really kind chill. of subs subset of the Nyabingi people, you know? That's wow. more good than I do on a daily basis, you know? <laughs> like, truly. It, but it's also, like, I'm sorry, but, like, I, I don't want to derail the conversation too much, but it's topical. Like, I'm sorry, Bob Marley, I kind of have a hard time connecting to him. Well, I'm uh, Bob. Uh, yeah, Bob's pretty amazing, actually. I'm not, I'm not against it. I'm not against it, but like, I'm pretty it's... much for anyone the CIA was trying to kill. <laughs> yeah, I, okay, I think okay. I'm with you on that yeah, as well. Just across the board. I, I don't really have to know anything other than that. And, and I'm probably, probably full support. Uh, I mean, well, I, I, def yeah. I definitely. Um, am less interested in a lot of the stuff that people are most interested in which is like you know the late 70s kind of lovers rock type of stuff um yeah uh and and way way more into his like early sort of rude boy blue beat rock steady stuff um but that said his you know lovers rock and roots reggae stuff is still pretty incredible musically yeah. and like also, like the most covered reggae music of like yeah. every reggae album, except has, for Toots like, in the Maytal Fifty Four Forty Six was my number, which has been covered by like every single artist in existence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I guess maybe I'm just put off by like the fact that like in college, you know, every it's every that greatest hits album. Ass, it's every it's ruined. Had it. a Bob Marley poster. Sure. Yeah. Just like, ugh. I can see it too. It's the one where he's like this and there's yep. fucking like the tie dye one, behind him. The best Bob Marley poster though is just the one that's the black and white photo of him playing soccer. Oh, I thought it was the mm, one where it's a, favorite, it's actually. Bart, but he's Rastafarian <laughs> and, and he's uh, smoking a big joint and saying, uh, don't have a cow jamon. <laughs> I haven't seen it, but that does sound like the best Bob Marley poster. The, that was actually like a t-shirt from my middle school years not that i had it but but that was but when i was in middle school uh, everybody in the middle school that i went to had some form except me uh because i my parents would never buy me uh, allow me to have something like that but everybody had bootleg knockoff bart t-shirts with bart as a blankety blank and there was so many of them it was it was incredible oh, um yeah there was Bart as Batman before Do the Bartman came out. Oh. It was like, you know, prophetic. soothsayer, prophetic, you know, 
looking into the crystal ball, seeing the future, knockoff t-shirt sales, know what's coming. My favorite uh, high school, oh no, don't work. I know, I was, I already forgot the joke I was gonna make. <laughs> my, uh, my favorite bootleg shirt from my high school era was like, there was like, always this kid that wore a shirt that said, it had like Sonic the Hedgehog on it. But it just said, like, like Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog was smoking a joint, and then it said Sonic the Hemp Hog. So I, was always, I was always really impressed with that one. Sonic the Hemp Hog. I mean, I guess that was like an entire uh, sort of um, genre of t-shirt probably in the, oh, in the early, early 90s, late 80s, early 90s was just like... Um, head shops suddenly uh doing cartoon versions of weed stuff like did that really i mean because i know like you know 60s and 70s they had like you know george washington smoking his flip or other you know uh, whatever robert crumb art crumb things uh you know like this and like that. but they're like um this is not sort of like comically on brand dumb shit uh and also mushrooms we were talking about mushrooms earlier this this is gonna this is a great segue okay um so I, I was, yeah so um this was when i was thinking about what story i wanted to 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 recount um to the dodent public um I, you know, there's so many just from all the time of doing it, but like, I was trying to think of one that was actually like, kind of like posy, you know, and that really sort of encapsulated some of the things that the, the, the rave has given me for, for lack of a, you know, to anthropomorphize it a little bit. Um, so I, I know that this one would be, would be a pretty good one. It's the, um, I mean, if you, if you know me for like, 45 seconds you probably heard this story but uh the people who haven't um get ready for a treat uh so Jack this yourself is, in. yeah this is this story starts as all good stories do um in detroit yeah and i was there um i was at um a tv lounge uh with some friends um, I don't even remember what the fuck for. I feel like it was like a compact night or something. Like, honestly, I, I remember being like, oh, this could be fun, but just more being like, okay, whatever, fine. Like, like my, my philosophy, uh, as most people know, is, is really just uh, ride the winds in Detroit uh, during movement, you know? Uh, try not to say no when I when I have the ability not to and just see and see what's going on but anyway so yeah. I was I was there um and this was Saturday Saturday no Sunday it was Sunday uh Sunday of Detroit so sort of the last like full day that uh, people like get rocking and rolling and I was sitting there and I'm um, I remember I was with my my friend Melissa. Uh, I kind of like lost track a little bit of, of who of like the my sort of core 
group of people, but it, you know, it didn't really matter. Like I was, like I said, happy to ride the waves, but. Dark and hot as fuck in there, actually like that weekend. And I remembered that I had, uh, I brought some mushrooms. I brought like a quarter of mushrooms, which is a good amount of mushrooms. Nice. Um, and so I was like, I had them in my pocket. I was like, Hey, Melissa, you want some mushrooms? She was like, yeah. And so I like got a little bit of mushrooms out. I ate them. Um, and I, and I repeat that process probably seven more times than I needed to in the next like hour and a half. Um, Time keeps on slipping. Yeah, slipping. I mean, it was it was real rookie shit because I was like not uh, not a, a person who didn't have experience with that. It's um, funny you say but, that because that was like kind of a plan that I actually specifically had at at one year of movement, which might end up being a story that comes up later. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I've certainly uh, a, a theme of of that weekend is often um, oblivion seeking to one degree or another. Um, Bring anyway, on the ego though, death. I, I, wasn't, I wasn't oblivion seeking then. I was right. just like trying to, to get where I wanted to go, which was high. Um, but anyway, I, I suddenly um, put my hand in my pocket to give myself like another dose and I realized that that's like it, that's all of it. <laughs> And like I gave some of it to people, but most of Moths it went, went straight pocket. to the dome. So you no. ate the whole quarter over how what period of time? Uh, maybe like an hour and a half, like oh which boy. is which is oh way boy. the fuck yeah. too much, way yeah. too much. Yeah. Uh, even for me, and I'm pretty pretty good at at, at sort of uh, metabolizing uh, psilocybin. But so I was like, okay. And like, there's that moment where you're like, I, I definitely was like, ooh, uh, this is not going to be great. <laughs> but then I was like, you know, it's a positive mindset. Like, you gotta, yeah, this yeah. will be fine. You're Roll like, with with the your, punches. you're at a you fucking rave. Swim. Like, like really what, you know, you're not going to have like a psychotic break over like this and this much mushrooms. Like, you're going to be super high, but it's going to be fine. Um, and so, but then I also became really cognizant. I became really cognizant of the fact that I was only, I only knew where my friend Melissa was. And like, she was like a rave friend. You know, we hung out like sometimes not at the rave, but like mostly a rave friend. So it wasn't like I was with sort of my like cooler people that could like, you know, talk me down from a, a proverbial edge or whatever if, if it came to that. So, right. Anyway, I look over to her and she's like, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna go to um, oh, what's the, what's the name of it? Uh, not the works, uh, the Wheelan City Club." And I was like, "I guess I am too, you know. Like, I, I don't really know what else to do." Um, have you you guys have been to the to City Club? Yeah, I don't think I so. Never have. I never okay, have. Well, I'll try and describe it to you the best of my ability, but. I think that was the only time I've ever been there. So it was a little touch and go. Um, but basically like we get there and we're like waiting in line. And I feel like there's like an invisible line because we're like waiting for to get in, but there's like nobody else. And I'm like kind of wondering what's going on. 
uh, in hindsight, I re realized that we were at like the DJ entrance or something because Melissa's rule uh, got the connections, I guess. I don't know. So we get in, you know, in my house, fucking like going through all the like brutish Detroit movements, uh, security checks and stuff. And oh just like, yeah. just kind of like trying to, I don't know, to like disassociate and, and just hope that. You know, at a certain point, I was also like, well, if I get kicked out, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Well, and that's, you know, yeah, you got to remember the drugs aren't on you, they're in you. Yeah, no, I didn't have any left. Um, yeah, yeah. I wish I did because it would have saved me a lot of trouble. But anyway, um, so we go and it was, I forget who was playing, but it was somebody that I was really not interested in, like full, like hot creations, kind of like. Uh, Me boss. I, I think it was literally Lee Foss and of other people. Um, but so I get in and, and I, I can't say for sure that this wasn't like my state of mind, but, but truly it was the loudest room I've ever been in. Oh, wow. like, like, like teeth rattling bass and just sweating fucking boat neck, like <laughs> your shirt. Um, people with like the necklaces that are also like spoons and stuff <laughs> right yeah and so loud that blixa barbell is in the corner like with his fingers in his ears going what the fuck man yeah <laughs> it was it was so loud and i i still honestly i mean i remember that most of all is that i was just like this is so unpleasant like like it could have been music i liked but it was just like really overwhelming yeah and so we're like okay let's go to the like the side room which was downstairs like in the 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 um like it was basically like a book about building code violations down there um and i, I don't know it was like low ass ceiling also extremely loud but at least i felt like i wasn't like suffocating in in mosque and stuff but about right about then i go to like check my phone and see if somebody like tried to get in touch with me because i'm thinking like i don't really want to be here um, but i don't like know where else to go um and like 11 out of 10 high like like one eye trying to to keep the world in view kind of kind of high <laughs> and I'm like, fuck, I don't have my phone. So I'm at this place. I don't want to be with this person. I kind of know and mostly just hanging on for dear life at this point. And so I just kind of like tried to to like keep my keep my sea legs or whatever until I could convince somebody to go. Um, and then like an angel from heaven, Melissa came and was like, hey, we're going to we're going to go somewhere. I, I don't even know where. I still don't know where to this day. <laughs> uh, but we went to a hotel, somebody's hotel, um, where. Again, it was mostly just like me being the crazy high person in the corner, like trying to tread water, but then also thinking, fuck my train leaves at like noon tomorrow. Like I got to get on this train, but I don't have, uh, I didn't have any money really at that point. I didn't <laughs> have my phone. 
I was with a bunch of people who didn't, it wasn't even like I could be like, hey, text John. They're like, who the fuck's John? And I don't like have anybody's member or number memorized or anything. So I, I started thinking to myself this mantra, which has stuck with me for, uh, that has stuck with me for basically forever, um, which was all roads lead to old Miami. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I, I kept just sort of saying that to myself. I don't know really know why, because this was also like, I'd had some really fun times like a couple years before there, but it was definitely, the, the shark had been jumped and I was, but I was like, you know what? You'll find someone there. This will work out if you just get to old Miami. <laughs> so I start, I start like telling people, I'm like, hey, does anyone wanna go to old Miami? And they're like, whatever, weird dude. And who are uh, you again? Yeah, like literally. Uh, and so I finally, I finally talk um, Melissa or, or I forget even who, like, honestly, at this point, we're, we're like, I remember the, the broad strokes. Uh, Some kind of nightmarish HR puff and stuff. <laughs> yeah. Club well, to club like, rave uh, adventure. Yeah, well, like the number of times I've been like fucked up in a hotel, whether it's like the lobby or whatever, is like, <laughs> yeah enough to where e- like, equals the amount of times in an airport. <laughs> yeah, that too. Um, but basically, um, so somebody don't remember who uh, I get to get in a cab with me, pay for the cab because I don't have any money, <laughs> pay for me to get in because I don't have any money. Uh, and we finally get to old Miami and I'm like, ah, I finally made it. And then I'm like, okay, so this is, and I'm also starting to feel like less Superman high. I'm like, okay, this is perfect. Oh, uh, this is great. Which is when you notice the person who took you there is Lee Foss. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, so I go and one of the first people I see is Vadim. Uh, and Vadim and I are like, we're friends, but not like as close as we are now. Uh, but Vadim has this fucking impish grin. I'll, I'll remember this for the rest of my life. Just like, just a little fucking demon child. Uh, it's like, hey, how you doing? Like, you could tell right away I was super fucked up. And I was like, uh, yeah, I'm okay. And like, told him the whole story. And then I think I had him text John, who was like my ride to be like, hey, I lost my phone, blah, blah, blah. And so I'm starting to feel good. I'm starting to feel like, all right, I got this underfoot. I have this this wild ride is is something that I, um, oh man, I totally forgot to stop there. I forgot, <laughs> I forgot actually literally the crux of this story, uh, <laughs> which is between the hotel and old Miami, we went back to TV lounge because I, in my head, I'm like, well, that's a stepping stone to old Miami. Um, and I, I'm there and I'm still crazy hot. And I see my friends, Jake and Nana, who are now two of my, my best friends, two of the most loving and supportive people I've ever met in my entire life. Didn't really know them that well then. I just ran up to them. I'm like, hey, I give them a hug and like, uh, also in demeanor, you know, they're, the they're, opposite they're, of Vadim's impish grin. 
Yeah, no, they're kind of <laughs> just like, hey, hey, man, what? A big up? warm hug. Um, and I was like, hey, so I'm gonna be honest with you guys. I'm really, really high, and I'm like kind of a little lost. Do you think you could just like sit down with me for a bit? And they're like, uh, yeah, yeah, sure. And uh, so Jake and Nana sit down with me on the. There used to be like a wall. Uh, not important, but we we sat there. I like Jake, Jake kind of trying to like awkwardly make small talk, like doesn't know if it's like uh, we're talking kind of thing, if like I'm trying to help you like focus or like just waiting it out. Uh, but we waited for maybe like 30 minutes and I started to feel like less high and I was trying to like, okay, um, I would really be interested to hear them tell this part of the story from their perspective because I really don't know. Um, it might be a good How idea to actually reliable. to actually uh, get a, a quick phone call with Jake and Nana to insert here if we if we can. Uh, I'm sure yeah. that they'll. I mean, I've talked with them about it, but I don't forget exactly, or I forget like their sort of. I don't it'll know, their it'll be if it'll be funny if they're into it to do their uh, their perspective, but keep keep going. Yeah. So um, so basically, we waited out, and I'm starting to feel like. Uh, a little more in in control and so maybe this actually answers the question earlier of who got me to old miami and paid for it <laughs> i feel like it might have been them uh I'm, I'm truly not even sure uh which is mercifully not a a very common theme in my rave stories but sometimes you know you get what you don't pay for um yeah but anyway, we get there and I'm like, all right, I'm feeling good. You know, I got Vadim to text or text John and I was like, all right, things are going to be good. And Vadim looks at me and he's like, hey, what's up? And I start to talk and he shoves a tab of acid in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, it was like full, like, Whoa. It was like down my throat before I could do anything. And I was just like, no. <laughs> but then I was just like, you know what? You made it this far. You're just going to make lemonade. And then I think somebody yeah. asked me if I wanted some K. And I was like, yeah, sure. Why not? And so I'm, I'm newly rehired. I know, right? I'm newly rehired. And I'm sitting in the grass and I'm just like thinking to myself, oh, I made it. Like, John's going to come here later. Oh, this is going to be great. Um, and then I like, I'm sitting there like with my hands. I was sitting like on my knees with my hands like on my, my hips, sort of. And I like feel something in my pocket. And I'm like, what the hell is this? And I, I reach in my pocket and I pull out my phone. <laughs> I, <laughs> I kind of saw this coming that, uh, I was 100% sure I lost uh, I, it never even occurred to me that I didn't lose it I, I just, <laughs> it just was lost it was that was it uh, and so I, I'm like oh my god you know I tell like Vadim or whoever will listen and it's pretty funny and I like text John and I'm like come to Miami blah blah uh, and then I do remember that unfortunately um, I want to say it was Doc Martin or somebody played and he was just really bad <laughs> but I was so happy that I 
didn't lose my phone, that I sort of survived the night without any major catastrophic um, psychological or physical injuries. And um, I remember after the fact, thinking about how Jake and Nana, how weird that must have been for them to have this, not stranger, but not like a close friend be like, I need your help. You just got to sit with me. Uh, and and uh, I mean, truly from, from that day forward, we were all super close friends. And it was a, a testament to the power of, of the of love sort of rave situational awareness that people have yeah i mean i i also get the feeling that especially uh and it may not just be within our uh common social circle in fact i would venture to guess that it's uh in many social circles that um the person losing it and needing um the support network one person per year at movement seems to be a uh, running story. Oh, yeah. um, I mean, we, oh, we, oh, no doubt, no doubt. I, like a lot of times it's a trickle down effect too. And I've actually found that at least in our social circle, it all kind of trickles back to Erica. Because oh, yeah, I, she's always like, she's always like, she's the one that talks the Dean down. Oh yeah, well that's yeah. that definitely so, that did happen you know, uh, last year. There's a whole they... wave of how this kind of works, where it's like yeah. everyone talks each other down. Oh yeah, for like sure. A circle. Well, I also noticed uh, there was a few years in a row where, uh, yeah, where it was exactly that, where the person who was taking care of the person who completely lost their shit was the person who lost their shit the next year. Yep. Um, yeah. It's like the plague. It's got a one-year gestation period. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I mean, I, I remember at the last No Way Back, the very last one, uh, my friend Eric came up to me and he was like, dude, I have something stuck in my ear. I think it's an earplug. And I was like, dude, you're tripping. Like, he's like, no, I really do. And I was like, okay, well then like, I believe you if you think this is real. So let's go to the medical tent. And he's like, we have a medical tent? I was like, this is where he's got everything. <laughs> and uh, so we go to the medical tent, which is staffed by brilliant doctors, like real full bird research microbiologist doctors who are also ravers. And they laugh at him and say he's probably on acid, but they're like, we'll check. And sure enough, there's his whole of, wallet is in his ear. Yeah, there's a, a little plug in his ear. And he was like, he was like miraculously healed. And he was just like, no one took me seriously. Like, Thank you so much. Like I asked, like a ton of people, and everyone just blew me off. I'm totally imagining like the scene in uh, Mary Poppins, and she's like pulling, you know, an entire coat rack and like a yeah, trombone yeah, yeah. and stuff out of his ear. Um, it's like a clown. Uh, yeah, totally. Scarf. Like the scarf, multicolored rainbow scarves, and then at the end, the scarves are all connected to like a hobby horse. Um, then a whole doves come out. Right. Totally. Doves, which are carrying a banner that's like, congratulations, your ear is empty now. Yeah. Welcome Better to the world of the hearing. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I love that story, Jason. Thanks for yeah. telling me. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's, I feel like it's one of, I have a lot of dumb stories, but very few of them like impact my life in any way, but let alone like a positive way. 
Yeah, it you seems know? like, like was the, it was uh, a real it was a real like humanity affirming story. Yeah. Like and the beginning did of anything close friendships with really, many yeah. people that you remain extremely close with to this day. Yeah, it was it was pretty it was pretty good. Um, and uh, it was uh, first day of the rest of my life, you know. <laughs> um, but all right, let's let's move on to uh, Let's, let's, uh, it's, that's, it's all you, Andrew, so... Yeah, so, I don't know. I, so, I picked, uh, a, a record from my youth that I still think to this day is, like, one of the most dismal things I've ever heard. <laughs> um, and, uh, it's it's the record is by current 93 and it's imperium which i believe was from 1988 uh it's kind of simply drones and sparse instrumentation with poetic weird talk singing about death uh, this this is it's not a current 93 album that i knew at all Oh, this is my. I remember you showing this to me when. Yeah. I I feel like you showed this to me the MXP night. Probably. And I, I've been I on this like, album for a while. Oh. Not for the faint of the heart. Well, I listened to it several times, and it just uh, to me it was I was like, oh, I'm listening to um, neo pagan religious music. Like that's well, yeah, it sounded that's it sounded like it yeah. Right. And, uh, and like, uh, it, I, I wouldn't call it sparse instrumentation because like, it sounds relatively full. It just sound like, I feel like I should be hanging out with dudes with, uh, beard dreads who are wearing tunics, um, at a Ren fair. <laughs> drinking mead, yo. which is not not what yeah drinking mead which is it not what i mead. generally um think of when i think of current 93 i mean the thing is is like so there's a couple things about this record that i find fascinating and how it works into the overall oeuvre and like current 93 is i find a really fascinating uh entity yes uh, i think david tibet is remarkable and like really yeah, totally. fascinating character Give me, uh, give me the Cliff's notes so on, on this first thing. Yeah, so he was, uh, let me just double check the facts here, but he was uh, very active in industrial circles. Uh, he got his name from Genesis P from Throbbing Grizzle. Uh, mm. Genesis, Genesis named him this because he was interested in like Tibetan Buddhist traditions. Um, he began, I think it was Lash Call, was his first project that was that was like literally satanic drone music. Right. And uh in like crusty, like post throbbing grizzle, like truly like industrial like despair scapes. Well um, see th see that's that's what I always think of current ninety three as being is more related to industrial and uh experimental in a um kind of more aggressive and leather laden uh yeah. way um 
And that's why I was surprised when I took a listen to this one. Well, this one's interesting because this one kind of remarked in the Uber, as you kind of take a meta perspective of it, like a lot of the stuff up until this record was that like dog's blood rising with very like harsh noise. Mm -hmm. uh, and then, and then I, I mean, from what I've read, Tibet chalks a lot of this up to like his kind of relentless spiritual practice that I think is kind of, it's very interesting. I mean, it's amateur. He's like on his, he's obviously on his own path, but like, he's so thorough about it. It's very remarkable. It's almost, it's like a kind of separate knowledge. Um, but this, this sort of marked a transition where like, based, uh, because a lot of times like they would always collaborate with like, uh, you know, John Balance and Peter Christopherson will, um, they would fuck with, uh, uh, what's his name? Um, oh, uh, from Nurse with Wound. Yeah. Um, yeah, the Stephen uh, something. Stephen uh, something. Stapleton. Stephen yeah. Stapleton. Uh, like, on most current 93 records, like, all the weird sounds is because of, uh, Stephen Stapleton. That kind of um, makes sense. Yeah. And, uh, like, he plays Hurdy Gurdy on one of the records. Um, and Does then anybody kind of... actually know how to play a Hurdy Gurdy? I don't think I've ever heard a record where somebody was playing it because they knew how to play it. Oh, I, I can I can show you something. Pharaoh you know, Sanders. Pharaoh Sanders. I know Sanders of records. Time. I just have never listened to yeah. ones where the people were actually properly playing. Yeah, it. I'm I'm no, I literally mean, just people with Hardy Gardy. Welcome back to the channel. We can listen to the Google or the. And, uh, and then this string here is made of a Okay. And, uh, yeah, I mean, this also kind of marks a shift in Tibet's thought where, like, he actually starts to move because he was very, very, um, he was kind of a student of, like, uh, Crowley and Delimont. And then he basically broke away from that and wanted to go in a different direction. Right, went and, from from seventies death cult to eighties right. new agey. Well, but to like neo, the weird, neo pagan and new agey, yeah, neo pagan kind of gnostic, cosmic right. things, um, and then the music generally became more. Uh, yeah, I mean, like the you know neo folk, pagan folk. That, I mean, you know, that's the vibe. Yeah, neo neo pagan for sure it's not so folky it's really definitely more the like walking around with a turkey leg and a tunic at a ren fair than uh, than sure. than it is uh you know folk it's medieval it's yeah it is it's it is super now you're speaking medieval. my language <laughs> yeah are you are you ready to uh to to be a young squire first of all love ren fairs been to a dozen or more probably I've been to one and and I it's not a it's not a rave related story but maybe someday on this podcast I can tell the story of the night before Ren Fair. yeah I mean there was um uh there was a permanent structure of Ren Fair uh just by like Lee's Summit outside of Kansas City like full had like houses on hills and shit like the i still have the layout in my head uh they had like a you know a big like 
dueling thing and also uh what are the what are the fucking sticks that you go like this uh oh yeah devil that, sticks, that, that, uh, sticks uh, yeah uh you could do that or you diablo could, like, sort of yeah uh spanish for the devil <laughs> uh italian i believe both diablo uh, is is spanish diabolo is italian. oh i sure uh but anyway oh and then this is kind of an interesting current 93 fact um you know the the i mean they've collaborated with all like they've worked with like bjork yeah i like, I, I know that uh well one of the most remarkable ones is they collaborated with uh uh the entity anoni was formerly like Anthony was Anthony and the Johnsons. Oh, okay. Oh. Um, but they they've never been a fan singing over that. I would have been a little more connected to it, I think. They they basically found them and started mm. putting them on records and then they blew up. Like Current 93 launched that project. Uh, well, I might be in the minority here for not being uh thankful of that. <laughs> I mean, I, I I'll give you my opinion on that. I think the Anoni work with Current 93, like, is is the best work that they've done. Like, it's it doesn't have, it's not, it's, it, with Current 93, and like, David Tibet's weird voice, it all kind of works. Okay. Uh, I, I don't know but which... But, like, the solo, the solo and the band stuff is, like, kind of taken a lead. Actually, like to be honest, the, the Hercules and Love Affair collaboration is the only time I've heard that voice actually uh, feel meaningful or like it yeah, wasn't uh, like it wasn't a practiced uh, look I, I went to high school with like 400 people who are basically that person I probably counted as being one of those people um, kind of uh, over emoting needing massive amounts of attention and kind of uh, being practiced in your emotionality constantly. Um, it always struck me as like kind of uh, disingenuous or used as a manipulating um, thing. Um, but I, but everybody at, but everybody I know disagrees with me. And uh, you know I don't I don't think I'm right, but that was my that, that was that was my that's my uh, reaction to it and makes it completely unenjoyable for me i would say that that's just transparent like nobody disagrees with you so much as people have very very much like, disagreed with me well uh i would say my point of view is that i would agree with you that it is kind of cloying and, and melodramatic but that's also the way melodrama is you know? uh, but that's not what I said because cloying and melodramatic are things that I appreciate in a lot of other people um, I I would say like for instance uh, uh, oh man now I can't remember the name of it. but Aerosmith. there's other people yes exactly like Steven Tyler <laughs> is you know the, exactly the person I was thinking yeah. Um, like no, uh, Cloying melodramatic is something that I can absolutely um, uh, stand behind in, in a lot of situations. Like I, I love Kate Bush, for instance, and I wouldn't say that all of her um, uh, music um, is anything but cloying and melodramatic in a lot but of ways, but uh, my, my issues. 
it's like a uh, it disingenuous affectation. It yeah, that it's 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 not just that it's an affectation. It's that it's like a studied, practiced thing that's done to manipulate. That's the sense yeah, okay. that I get. Um, it's like that, Yeah, and that's the thing that that made it completely unenjoyable to me. I think that's um, a fair uh, And uh, another current ninety three fact while we're talking about current ninety three, I learned. I actually learned so much from just digging to about like weird occult books and like artists and stuff. Uh, just from digging through their discography and seeing, you know, oh, wow, who did this record cover or something like that? And there's a recurring theme of cats in the work. Uh, uh-huh. Because David Tibet loves cats cool. because, I mean, cats are awesome. <laughs> but specifically using the work of this very interesting artist named Lewis Wayne. And Lewis Wayne was an illustrator in Victorian Britain. And okay. he drew he drew anthropomorphic cats, like having fun, at a, you know, having tea, dancing together. And then what happened is- I just Googled Lewis Wayne and just got a mug shot of a guy with a crew cut, so. I, I, different I, guy, probably. I just, put a, another I just put a yeah. filter on my <laughs> Thank video. You. Thank you. And so Lewis Wayne became very, very popular with these like little illustrated cats. You could buy them, you know, for like picture cards and postcards and stuff in the Victorian era. He was very well known, and then he developed wrong. he developed schizophrenia. Oh, I know this. And he started drawing. This is very cats Alice in Wonderland. Yeah, that were perpetually more psychedelic and more paranoid, and all of a sudden the cats start like radiating energy in the paintings, and they get super super bizarre. And then by the end of his life, he's painting just these geometric fields of color that are supposed to be cats. <laughs> It's, Geometric Fields of Cats is a, an excellent uh, early to mid '90s indie rock band name. Yeah, uh, remarkable, remarkable records, artist. Straight up. Um, <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah. So anyway, that's another fun current ninety three fact. Nice. Uh, and I actually think that like David Tibet might be like the foremost expert on him as an artist. I would. I would. Foremost I'm expert. Sure, I'm pretty sure he's the Lewis Wayne guy. I'm pretty sure. Uh, like, he's done a lot to contribute to the knowledge base about who he was. That sounds pretty he awesome. Wayne, um, grandfather of David Wayne. Hmm. Nobody? Hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I'm just making that up. Okay. <laughs> uh, father to Bruce Wayne. Uh, yeah, different man, man. Wayne, W-A-I-N, like. Oh, oh, da- oh, that David Wayne. Yeah, I do know. I do like know. What Hot American Summer? We yeah, should do like Hot American the director Summer episode. Of, of really so so many incredible movies and writer of of. Uh, oh my God. He specialized in drawing animals and country scenes and worked for several journals, including the Illustrated Sporting and Dramatic News, where he stayed for <laughs> years. The Illustrated London News, beginning in 1886. Uh, through the 1880s, Wayne's work included detailed illustrations of English country houses and estates on livestock, and he was commissioned to draw at agricultural shows. So, dude was basically just like running around county fairs, being like, "He was just like a I'll draw your creator. corn." He was a what? content creator. Was like a yeah. Content. Uh, what was it? The Illustrated what and Dramatic News? The Illustrated... Illustrated Sporting and Dramatic News. The Illustrated oh. Sporting and Dramatic News. That was like the most successful band on Jade Tree. That's actually the name. 
It's We've actually the, the new name of the podcast. <laughs> the illustrated and dramatic news. The illustrated part doesn't really work out. I know exactly what that band sounds like. Yeah, the illustrated and dramatic yeah. news. It basically sounds like a combination of uh, uh, it's Mogwai with a hurdy gurdy and and uh, and what's it called? Uh, Slint. Yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but with whiny vocals. Yeah, with some of uh, the Kinsella's involved somehow. Right, of course, for sure. Oh my god. In 1883, the paper published a cartoon showing Oscar Wilde in a convict dress, which was considered at the time to be a very serious slur. Twelve years later, Wilde was convicted of, quote, gross indecency and sentenced to two years in penal labor. Oh, so they, they did this as like a, a mean cartoon long before he was... Uh busted for being the the uh uh what, what a, a happy and gay uh flaunting morality yeah loving uh sharp-tongued man that he was 12 years before wow that's kind of yeah they outed oscar wilde to ask soothsayers very serious slur is also a really a good grindcore name. Yeah, totally. That, <laughs> yeah. that, that uh, supported anal cunt on several tours. Yeah. Um, All right, back to the current '93. Uh, I've never seen them live, and I, I, I really, I really regret that I've never seen them live because I'm really in love. To do what that. kind of live shows do, do they actually do? I mean. It, uh, if, if it's mostly Tibetan the genres stuff, like, um, on uh, Wikipedia are apocalyptic folk, psychedelic yeah. folk, and post-industrial. Mm. I like apocalyptic uh, folk though. I, I apocalyptic folk, apocalyptic folk, folk is good. Is yeah. fire. good. Uh, I mean, there's lots of cool other people that uh, he's worked with too. He worked with Nick Cave. He worked with um, Steve Ignorant from Crass. He worked with. Um, I think he did music for uh, like a uh, dark, like gothy children's show in the uh, 80s, I want to say. Like it was like a, a thing that wasn't really for television. It was like, you know, an independently produced thing that was probably obviously not really meant for children that I vaguely remember. Um, like so many, so many people. He's yeah. done stuff with, he's kind of like actually, uh, the first episode, my picking material because of Bill Laswell, he's like kind of a similar it's the figure in that he's like, scene. yeah, has played or made music with literally everyone and their mother and their cousin mm -hmm. and the guy who draws cats. Yep. And uh, it's so, I mean, I, from what I know, like the live, the performances are everything from just David to bed reading, you know, sort of poetry. poetry. Oh my God, there's so uh, many records. To, uh, yeah. to a full band with like, so the guy who does all the arrangement usually is Michael Cashmore. Okay, um, who's, who's that guy? So he, I think, let me just double check. Um, but uh, he's kind of like, one of, he's like a neo-pagan composer. Okay. Um, and, uh, yeah, check this. Check his Wikipedia. Check his vibe out. Um, he's like black metal, but like. Colorful. Oh, 
you know what it's funny i finally clicked that link that's in the chat um of the pictures from the cat illustrator mm. and i totally know this guy's stuff yeah like i've seen so yeah, seen much of his work before yes, yes. Um, and so it's a very yeah. popular uh, avatar choice for like yeah. fucking yeah. whatever BBC you're, you're, you're posting on. My, my um, ex-wife uh, had a book of his cause she was like, she grew up going to like private art classes and stuff and had all kinds of crazy art books of people who I knew, knew pictures from but had no idea who they were. Mm. Although it is unfortunately one of the ones that she uh, took back one of the times she came to visit. Uh, mm. I do not Private have art classes. That. That's, a, that's a pretty really cringy phrase. That's what uh, people who grow up in really small towns do. You know, there's nothing else to do. They take, you know, private after school classes in anything because like, there mm. is nothing else to do. You want to go sit in a field or do you do you forget where i come from i know where you come from but uh like i've been to where you come from and i've been to the town she's from and i think the town that you come from is actually more exciting than where she comes from she comes from a town called bergdorf which is basically translated to english town it was, it was probably the <laughs> i'm serious that's like the translation would be townton <laughs> So I, I was, uh, so Michael, I, I kind of want to circle back to Michael Cashmore. He's yeah, go for really it. Uh, so he's the composer and arranger for a lot of like the strings and the guitar and like, you know, all that kind of stuff. And he has been for many years. He has a solo project called Nature and Organization, uh, which is, again, it's just kind of orchestral pagan music uh it's i used to have one of his albums and i really really enjoyed it um but like he's also he's also one of those guys that's worked with everybody like he's worked with mark Allman a bunch from soft cell like somebody we should do uh like a soft cell record because mark almond has collaborated with like everybody and including like the pagan crowd techno and like dance people um also uh didn't he it's mark allman and the the guy from um uh fuck, why can't i think of the, the name um boy does a uh, small town boy oh uh uh uh, Bronski beat. Bronski beat. Yeah. They did a they did a cover of "I Feel Love." It is the fucking gayest thing that anyone's ever done. Oh no! Absolutely. Like it's like. I mean that in the best possible all, way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I I love it. I mean it's just like yeah, let's get Mark Allman on the track. <laughs> well, no, and they definitely like I don't know if you've seen the music video, but they're like. You know they're like clearly friends but they're also like kind of trying to upstage each other the whole time and doing lots of little improvisations you know just sort of like fighting for airtime it's pretty good have you seen that pablo the uh the bronski beat and mark allman cover oh yeah of, yeah. yeah it's kind of awesome it's super awesome didn't I, 
didn't you you show that to me actually when I was uh, staying with you? Maybe because yeah. you're not the only person who has talked to me about that before. But I think Marge you brought it up and we were like, that oh out. yeah. Marge said that she's played that out, which is I I believe bops. it. I do too. Yeah. Like. Because the only way she's gonna play it is a fucking 128 YouTube rip, in which case, yeah, <laughs> be great, you know. Uh, but go on. Sorry, worked with Mark Holman. Uh, yeah, and it's a very, a very interesting uh, character. I'm looking at his uh, Facebook profile. Um, yeah. I mean, they, and that's that's the thing, and I think you're you're totally right. Like groups like Current ninety three, uh, were just the glue of, you know, so, like the they're they're like the the rhizomatic mycelia. Oh that yeah, su- yeah, totally. That supports wow, that supports the growth of everything else. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, I think that's this is kind now of, biochemistry podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I think that um, that's kind of the. Uh, the sort of vibe of that era of music because of so much change in technology, culture, and um, mm-hmm. communication that like, uh, that like, you know, how I talked about the 79 to 82 thing um, on the last podcast, like there, there, yeah. there, there were a lot of these uh, rhizomatic sort of um, mimetic and, uh, you know, um, connective tissue type of uh things happening through those eras the like mid 70s to the um i guess almost to the early 90s because of how accelerated so many different areas that are connected to um creative process or creative um you know product were um and And it was before the uh, massive financialization that destroyed a lot of the potential for those kinds of things to be successful uh, a little bit farther down the line, which was basically the beginning of the 90s to now, so, um, or the mid 90s to now, so. Yeah. Uh, So that was my pick. Awesome. Sort of slightly relevant. Uh, but have you guys read the, there's a book called DIY Music and the Politics of Social Media by Ellis Jones? Uh, no. I know I know the uh, book, but I have not read it yet. I have well, I just started reading it. Copy. It seems pretty like a thing we could talk about. Yeah. I, I think it's also only like 180 pages. Like it's a blast through on a Saturday kind of thing. Um, but yeah, well, good choice. I didn't really talk very much about it because it is uh pretty alien to me and i mean that in a value neutral way (laughs) you know like it it just feels so outside of what i have any context to talk about um like the closest thing that i could have would be like i mean clearly I i would bet the farm that like godspeed you black emperor you know like current 93 you know oh for sure And there's like a, a big through thread for that, which, and I, I love them. So I could see why it was important and I could appreciate it as a sort of, um, a sort of creating the ecology for yes, the kinds yes, of long yes. form, like lots of spoken word music that 
that has um you know sort of metastasized throughout like a lot of stuff i like so oddly enough i think actually like the music that i know of current 93 that is like not this type of stuff is stuff that has much more direct connection and relation to music that you actually like especially within like techno and darker electronic music uh jason as opposed to the the, the i don't what, really like techno what you anymore well that's cool <laughs> that should, we should talk I gotta about get that this tattoo podcast, removed. Yeah, you are listening to a podcast under the La Mission Radio umbrella. You can find us and support us at patreon.com slash join Pablo. That's patreon.com, J-O-I-N-P-A-B-L-O. Early access for patrons, plus special bonus episodes, and a whole lot more as we did not start as a podcast Patreon. Come and see us. <laughs>